episode where we talked about toys i told a joke that at the top that vaguely was associated with toys and i really had to stretch to make a comparison and that's because i mixed up my jokes so here's a here's the joke that was supposed to be about toys okay ready um do you guys do you hear say hey, steve what's hey how's it going steve what's up hey what's up Brian? <laughs> hey do you hear that about that uh that brand new uh big you know lego store that that opened in times square did you hear about that uh-uh big grand opening down there yeah it was crazy uh the shoppers were lined up for blocks hey welcome boys and girls to another fucking video of halloween is forever i'm brian i'm duplo (laughs) (laughs) you're the big clunky legos (laughs) yeah last time we talked about toys so that would have been a toy joke and then this episode we're talking about uh, uh, a movie that has cops in it so then they get arrested you know we tried oh. the, the energizer bunny that would have made more sense but i'm um i, I got bad uh poo brains i got whacked out poo brains so i think i think it worked for both i think it works for yeah, both yeah you know what who gives a fuck you know what i mean this is a free podcast but uh guys uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a really unique kind of format for an episode. I'm really excited about it. We are going to talk about really two movies. Um, one is a remake of the other one, and they're both by the same director. We're going to talk a little bit about Last Shift from 2014, and we're going to talk about Malum from 2023, both directed by uh, Anthony de Blasi. Um, so that should be really, really fun. Um, but we got a whole bunch of other shit we got to do before that. So hold your fucking pants on guys. First of all, we're coming up on that August showdown episode. If you tuned in last week, you heard me talk about what our August showdown topic is going to be. It is going to be, uh, uh, good scenes and otherwise bad movies. So that should be a really fun showdown uh, topic. We haven't done anything like that. And if you're uh, new to the show and you're saying, what the fuck is a showdown bry? First of all, don't call me bry. Uh, I don't appreciate that. You don't know me like that. You're fucking new. Don't call me Uh, Steve. Don't call him Steve. Don't call me Bri. It's fucking rude. Second of all, where the fuck you been? All right. Um, So what we do is some fucking episode every damn Monday, some tasty, tasty content on the interwebs every damn Monday. But the first Monday of the month, we do a showdown episode where we have a guest. uh, We pick a topic. uh, Actually, you help us pick a topic from a we got the big old spinny wheel of topics. We pick three, throw it on the social medias, social media friends and listeners help us pick what that topic is going to be. And once we have it, we pick a movie or a scene or a show or whatever that that topic demands that's associated with it then we get on that damn showdown episode we lace up them motherfucking boots right we grease up them muscles right we trim them fingernails and we start wheeling out the fucking goodies right the ladders the steel chairs all that shit and we just fucking go at it uh and then ultimately somebody is gonna take home that fucking one two three shoulders on the mat the fucking belt goes home with somebody right now. Your boy got that belt. I've been just strutting around with it like one does, you know, to the victor go the spoils, if you know what I mean. Um, I just been getting flocked everywhere I go. Been signing autographs, been charging 10 bucks an autograph. 
If you're not a Patreon subscriber, guys, by the way, if you want to subscribe to our Patreons, Halloween is for, I'm sorry, it's patreon.com forward slash Halloween is forever. We'll talk about that here in a damn sec. But uh, for August, that strap of mine, oh, that strap of mine going to be back on the line in August. It's my birthday in August. So I'm going to be fighting extra hard. I guess that has something to do with it. Um, that's how it works. Uh, if you want to help us pick those showdown topics, you want to send us some suggestions for mini shows or just fucking weird flicks or something like that that you won't think we should watch. Uh, we get a lot of cool stuff from our listeners on the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitters. And now we got one of them old. Uh, what that what's that thing called over there? That the big, big the old thread out there. The old the thread. Old thread. Go the old thread. Apparently, shit's lighting up. Shit be tight over there on the threads. I hear. Go check that out as well. We're on there. It's at Halloween is forever, pretty much on all that stuff. Or I guess if you want to send us an old fashioned email, uh, I don't really talk about that uh, too often anymore. It's Halloween is forever pot at gmail.com. You can send something over there as well. Um, all right, Patreon. We got patrons. We have achieved patrons, which mm-hmm. means our plan engaged. Steve, tell them about this stupid fucking plan that you put together that you're going to ruin my life with. Patreon rules, and this is why we do Patreon, because I can ruin <laughs> lives. So over on our Patreon, we have two tiers. We have the scamps, and we have the rascals. And if you sign up for a scamps tier, that's $3, and it gets you all kinds of bonus things. You can add an extra vote when it's voting time. So if you feel like, hey, I didn't vote enough on Twitter and Instagram, you can vote again and we'll, mm. have, we'll have other things on there. We might have a little bit of bonus content here and there and episodes will be ad free. That's fast for three dollars. That's OK. Mm-hmm. It's whatevs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get on the rascal tier. The rascal tier. It gets you all that stuff. It gets you on the Discord so you can watch these episodes happen live. It gets yeah, you on yeah. the Discord to chat with us or if we're doing mm-hmm. watch alongs and it most importantly it gets you family is forever. <laughs> uh, I hate this about it. This Fa- is the thing I hate the most in my whole life. But it's the best thing because family is forever is the brand new Patreon exclusive podcast where Brian and I will sit down and watch all of the Fast and the Furious movies. All. F- yeah. Fifty fucking eight of them. However yeah. many there are. There's 58 now, but more can always be added. And we'll watch those mm. too. But we're going to watch them all in sequence. This is starting in July with the first one, the original Fast and the Furious, the OG. Jump on now. And you can be a part of this. You can be a part of I it. I hate this. I also want to reiterate that no amount of money is worth this. I am very skeptical of this whole idea, and I am considering instituting some sort of get out of jail card where if like I cut my own dick off, I don't have to watch any more of these movies. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really expecting the worst. It might not be as bad as I think it's going to be, but the the amount of bad I think it's going to be is a lot of bad. Um, but we are going to ease into it with the first Fast and Furious movie. I have seen that before. I kind of know what to expect. But we shall see. We shall see, friends. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and become a patron uh, patron over there at uh, patreon.com forward slash Halloween's forever. Uh, give us a couple of them just easy, smooth little paper monies. Uh, and then you get some cool uh, additional content from your boys on a monthly basis or probably more frequently than that. So, yeah, I mean, part do, you, fun. do you hate Brian? Do you hate mm. when he's champ? kick them when it's down <laughs> subscribe to our yeah. patreon <laughs> yep yep again this is not worth it for me 
Um, all right. Uh, okay. Enough about all that. What about beer, Steve? Have you are you familiar with this concept of beer? Do you I, got one in front of you? I am familiar, and I am drinking a beer. What do you I, have? I am drinking for the first time, and I don't know how many weeks on this show. I'm drinking mm-hmm. a legitimate beer. <laughs> Oh, no shit. Not a gloop glop. <laughs> not a, not a fucking steel reserve. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know okay. how many weeks it's been since, but I am drinking a real beer this time. It's an a, actual beer. Yes. It's coming from Cinderlands. Mm, okay. Yes. And it's their Gato Montes, which is a ah. Mexican style dark lager. So yeah. basically yeah. their take on Medela Negro. Yeah. Yep. Very nice. Yep. Love that style. I wish because we're seeing all these Czech dark lagers now which I fucking love a Czech dark lager. Um, you know, you certainly see a Schwartz beer from time to time. I uh, I want to see more Mexican dark lagers, right? Just real crispy, dry, sense of bitch and dark lagers. I love a Czech dark lager, but, you know, they either go in one direction or the other. Either they're pretty aggressively bitter, which mm-hmm. is, is great. I like that. Or they're, uh, they got some chew to them. They got some heft. They're a little less attenuated than your average uh, dark lager or every average lager in general. Uh, just Czech style of, of, of ferment their beer. But uh, a Mexican dark lager, ooh, that's a good dry son of a bitch. Um, so this one, I like a dark beer year round. Yeah, so this one isn't that dry. Um, mm, okay, it's, interesting. It's pretty, I mean, it does remind me of Medela Negro, but okay, it's pretty, like, there, there's a good amount of, like, caramel uh, flavor to it. Okay. I mean, it's not it's not overly bitter. It's like it's easy drinking, but it just feels like you're drinking brown. If that makes sense, <laughs> drinking that brown, drinking brown. <laughs> if it's brown, drink it down. That's yeah. what I always say. Um, well, good. I have to give that a try. Did you get that at the old Creekside? Yep, got that at the old Creekside. It's I mean, it's really good. Otherwise, like it, like I said, it's not overly bitter. You don't get too mm-hmm. much hop character on it, and it's just mm-hmm. it tastes like a really upscaled Medela Negro. It's really good. I'm oh, yeah. It. I'm, I need to get down there. There's a few beers down there. I got to try oh, for myself. All right. Um, I got uh, 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 no surprises here. Not a beer I've had uh, on the show before, but just a style that I that I do frequently try, which is uh, dark. Actually, I don't know if they call this a Hellas uh, beer, actually. But this is um, uh, from uh, Pennsylvania's own Trogues Independent Brewing. A fantastic beer, but perhaps the the laziest name I've ever seen in my life and logo for that matter. Uh, it's called Summers Here Lager. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's in their variety pack, uh, their summer variety pack. It's a heck of a nice beer. It's basically kind of a hoppy American lager. Um, mm. it's, it, it's not, I wouldn't even call it, a, it, it's almost an American take on a Hellas, I would say a little bit, or, or, or uh, even a Pilsner, although the the uh, uh, IBUs are really low. It's really not very bitter at all. But it's 4.2%, so very much in the, in the American lager, American light lager vein. But the malt care, the malt is Pilsner malt, which you definitely taste Pilsner malt. Mm-hmm. So it's not just your standard, you know, kind of American two row. But then it has flaked rice as well, which okay. is obviously thin it out, dry it out. And then it's dry hopped with saws and citra. Huh. So a really unique combination in that way. And they said they croys in it. It's got a little bit of ester component to it. Here, let me see if you can, can hear what that damn thing smells like. Pasha. Um, it's, it's, you know, fairly, oh, I got um, it. yeah, you got it. You got yeah, a little yeah, yeah. for that. It's, it. it, it's not aggressively hopped, mm-hmm. but it's, it's expressive because it's got, 
um, you know, citra, but then it also does have a little bit of that like herbaceous uh, 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 or even uh, bergamot orange type of thing going. It sounds and, like, uh, it sounds kind of like they're doing Italian Pilsner, but American. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really unique uh, lager, but it really comes together super well. Mm. It just drinks like a super light, really crisp, dry, you know, Pilsner malt forward, uh, you know, kind of hoppy lager, but not like aggressively. So it's really low bitterness. Mm -hmm. It's just it's a freaking beautiful beer. I would drink an absolute hell out of it. But uh, boy, howdy, that name and, and logo is just kind of fucking <laughs> lackluster. Chogues um, absolutely fucking coasts when it comes to logos. And <laughs> I know they do like that's not their bag. I get right. it. But this one just seems like particularly lazy. But it doesn't matter because the beer's fucking great. So right. Fuck off. You know, who cares? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, it could just be a fucking plain can. But still, like, it's just it's like some stuff they do is really good. And then other stuff you're like, you really mailed that one in, didn't you? Yeah uh that one in, but they're like one step above helltown which helltown just puts everything <laughs> in the same black can and they go i don't know you figure it out <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i guess it doesn't matter that much obviously but um you know for a pretty pretty big brewery um but yeah heck of a nice beer heck of a nice beer um i uh would love if trogues just did a pack with their loggers you know mm. and they just did this beer they put Sunshine Pills, which is a fucking all-time great, Troganator, and then, I don't know, throw some, throw the fucking Hellas back in there. That Hellas that they put in the variety pack a while back was gorgeous. Throw all that shit in there. Keep the Perpetual out of there. I don't mind that beer. But they have one called, like, Haze Gem that's in that pack. Uh, yeah. It's no good. Mm. It's kind of a stinker. Um, yeah. It's just, just do the loggers, man. Do the loggers. Um, but I know perpetual is like their big is like, you know, I think at this point it's pretty much like their flagship, but yeah. Anyway, I mean, all their beers good. Don't get me wrong. It's just, those aren't neither of those excite me too much, but man, I wish I could just get more of just them, them dang old loggy beers. I'll start uh, a change a .org petition and send it to them for September. Yeah. Trokes, don't change your back on the loggers. Don't, 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 uh, turn your back on the loggers. I mean, um, that's, that's, that's the fucking bread and butter here, guys. Anyway, what the fuck do I know? All right, let's get into these fucking old movies here. So this is pretty interesting. I'll reiterate kind of, you know, what, and Steve, well, Steve, why don't you, because you, you, this was, this was your idea. Um, and I think this was kind of a fun exercise where, 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 what, what made you think of doing this? So, yeah, so we're talking about uh, the 2023 movie Malum, but also the last shift, which came out in 2014. And I remember like I'd seen 2014 last shift about the time it came out. Mm. Like it was, uh, or yeah. Cause I don't believe it got a big theater run or anything. It's, it was, it's a very small movie and you can kind of tell that looking at it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I believe it came out originally on Amazon prime and I watched it and preparing for this episode, I went back and watched it again. And like Amazon prime had like my space saved of like, oh, it really? was <laughs> like, it's been years since I watched it, but Amazon prime's like, well, you can continue with the credits or go back and i was like ah, I'll start again <laughs> but but yeah, let me let me clean up this credit real quick. yeah but i guess uh you know over 2020 2021 the director anthony de blasi and his uh his partner scott poily uh mm. they both wrote the original last shift and then they decided to come back and make malum and malum is pretty much a remake of the original Mm -hmm. uh 
there's a lot more added to it and everything. And like, I looked into why they wanted to do it. And they said, the Blasi said, you know, we're proud of the last shift, but it was made on such a small budget and there's just things we couldn't do. Right. So they wanted, they got the funding to come back and do it again. And Mm. I was like, okay. (laughs) You know, I, I kind of, the more I, I thought that was such a weird thing to do, but the more I thought about it, you know, I think the alternate, you know, if you really think you have a, a, a fantastic movie that you feel like you could have done more with, you know, the more, uh, you know, the, the, the path, you know, more, uh, I guess, uh, well-tread would be to just do a sequel, right? Right. And then just kind of, you know, take some of the same elements and, and punch them up. But instead of doing a sequel, they were like, no, we want to dive deeper into this universe, if you will. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to tell a different story. We just want to tell this story in a different way. Right. So I thought it was pretty interesting. I, I I actually really like the idea of doing that rather than like forcing a sequel that no one wants, you know, or tells a different story that you don't want to tell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's it's not that no one. Well, yeah, no, because I, I wouldn't even want a sequel to The Last Shift. So, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that are up against making a sequel. So, well, what are you going to call it? The la- like, if you're going to do a sequel, not a prequel, it's like the no JK that this is the last shift. Like, <laughs> what are you going to call it? Last shift again? No, you yeah. call it first shift and it's the devil taking the job. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, you have to do but, a prequel, right? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, if, if you know how the last shift ends, yeah, there's no sequel there and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like that film is a wonderful small indie film that's like self-contained. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a fun little haunt, you know, basically yeah. haunted house film. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I was looking up Anthony de Blasi a little bit, just a little bit more about him, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't recognize his like his name is not familiar, but I didn't immediately associate him with any projects. But he worked on a lot of things. He worked on Midnight Meat Train. He was part of uh, Clive Barker's production uh, studio, Midnight Picture Show. Mm hmm. Um, and was like heavily involved with that. And then the movie I watched not that long ago from him was Extremity. Okay. Um, that I watched, I think soon after it came, actually, you know what? I think I watched it over COVID. So it might've been, you know, a, a little bit after it came out, but it's from 2018. That was basically a, you know, slashery type of movie based on, you know, the whole idea of like, um, you know, the super hardcore haunts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. It was a fun movie. I don't remember a ton about it. I think, and I might be confusing this with another one. I think um, we get a Tom Atkins in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. I have to go back and look. I don't know if I'm confusing it with another movie, but um, I, I I remember uh, uh, I remember liking it. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting it mixed up with somebody else, or maybe I'm getting it mixed up with another movie. But I definitely watched. It. I remember the 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 you know the kind of mask uh that's associated with it but yeah i'm not seeing i'm not seeing a tom atkins in here i might be confusing it with another movie that that has a similar name yeah i mean you're you're right about like what the plot line is of, of about it being about like those extreme haunted houses that like okay put cool. you, okay put i you... wasn't completely forgetting no, no. i'm not completely <laughs> confusing it i'm just interjecting tom atkins in a movie that he wasn't in right which i which mean i am want to do that could be any movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's okay to put him anywhere it's fine so the Blasi and his partner, they, 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 they go on after Extremity though. And, you know, this is their next film after Malum is. And it's, 
the, the kind of the high level of this is that you start the film with a, a female police officer who has a history with the police and she's starting a last shift at a soon to be decommissioned police station. And she's basically just left alone and what should be like kind of an easy overnight job turns into like a terrifying experience because it's full of damn ghosts yeah, and goblins it's a de- and the ta- devil. Haunted, <laughs> yeah, devil, goblins, just a bunch of spook ups Yeah. Just a whole dang house full of spook ups Yeah. And so, oh, I just remembered the name of the movie. It's called Trick that Tom Atkins was in, <laughs> but the cover looks very similar. That's why I confused uh, okay. him. Because <laughs> the killer, the guy. Anyway, I won't get into it. But yeah, check out Trick, starring Tom Atkins. Check out, check out Trick. Not that great. So, Malum departs from Last Shift like almost immediately when it starts, and this is like the first thing that like stuck out to me pretty big is that like. Uh, last shift is so self-contained and small is like you basically just follow this uh rookie cop jessica lauren it's the same name Mm -hmm. for both movies yep but i like the way last shift starts with basically nothing it's just her on the phone with her mom then going to work and then work is bad you know yes it's it's so like you and everything gets filled in along the way for her Mm-hmm. Malum starts with like a full-on flashback sequence. Yeah, like a found footage yeah. type of flashback kind of thing. Yeah, and so the both films re- revolve around this cult, and it's like mm-hmm. the cult of the low god or worshippers of Malum, and they're you know like a, they're a Charlie Manson ripoff essentially. But like, yep. What if Charlie Manson actually did conjure the devil? <laughs> pretty much exactly yeah. what it is yeah yeah so yeah it's it, it's interesting because the um the second movie and this is kind of a theme overall i think we'll kind of talk about is like the first movie almost leaves you to your own devices too much in certain points mm-hmm. where it leaves some plot points like kind of on the table maybe unexplained and then you can speculate about them but I definitely found myself overall after watching Malum. I, I've never seen either of these movies and I watched them, um, you know, consecutive days. And I, I really liked uh, Last Shift. And then I liked it even more after watching Malum because I feel like it explained things that like maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention to get in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the second movie as a standalone definitely kind of I don't I don't know if it's fair to say spoon feeds you more more things, but yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, whereas the first movie, it leaves you to your own devices. And there are things you may or may not really pick up on, depending on how, you know, closely you're you're watching it. Yeah, I, I feel like somewhere in between the two films, there's like a mm-hmm. perfect movie. I know that's what I felt like Malum went the first movie. I did find myself going. I wish they would have explained that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like the the kind of the, you know, I guess I'll I'll, I'll use an example because um, we're not really going to go through the whole plot of both of these movies, obviously. And they they have the same plot, although they like you said, they they do diverge in a couple of instances. Um, but there is uh, something that happens early in the movie when she's left alone in the in the, you know, the 
the the precinct by herself and this you know seemingly homeless guy comes uh up to, to the to the precinct kind of comes in and in the first movie he doesn't say anything so it becomes very difficult he's you know almost acts like a, a, like he's mute or something like that he doesn't speak um and it's very hard to discern where he comes from and why he's there and i didn't really pick up on why he was there i knew he was trying to find something out because he was searching through archives and stuff like that um and then the second movie he th this same character who's like looks very different but but he's kind of the same type of character he comes in and is like where's my daughter i'm looking for my daughter she got killed by the guy <laughs> you know what i mean like he's just way tells you exactly why he's there from yeah. the beginning and and to your point there probably could have landed somewhere in the middle right <laughs> it would have made more sense it would have been more enjoyable but yeah 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 like the first movie it does it, it almost gets a little confusing because at some points you think the this homeless character we're talking about is also the the cult leader because they do mm -hmm. some juxtaposition between those two as well so that gets a, yeah that's a, it's a little muddy in the first film but it beats you over the head in this film that you know he's the father of uh, he's, he's the father of one of the women who was a victim of the cult right so like yeah there's there's a happy medium in there somewhere <laughs> but yeah 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 but and so back to the, like the the beginning of malum like we said mm -hmm. last shift just starts with lauren and her uh officer lauren in her car and then she goes right to work mm -hmm. beginning of malum has this big flashback to officer lauren's father and like he does a massacre at the police station that's no mm -hmm. good and you get yeah, all no the, good you get all the found footage of the cult and like how they're like bashing women's brains in and feeding them the pigs yeah and then we're following officer lauren on her drive to work after mm -hmm. she meets her drunk mom at the cemetery mm -hmm. and you know there's like chaos in the streets and they're like throwing yeah. dead pig heads at the cars and everything and, and yeah immediately i was just like this is all too much <laughs> it does it's it, the first movie is such an isolated and like extremely personal thing with uh jessica and the second movie is a big it's a much bigger thing that encompasses the whole town mm -hmm. and 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 i see why they wanted to do that because it helps it make it makes certain things make more sense but there is just um i don't know there's there's a lot of elements that just take away from the subtlety of the first movie you know yeah yeah take away from the subtlety and it even it even ruins one of the best uh one of the kind of best scares or reveals mm -hmm. from the first film and we'll get we'll get to it in a bit mm -hmm. after we get lauren in her in her job in her job but yeah yeah all, all of this like all this table setting is what it is at yeah. the beginning of the film it's just too yeah. much because last shift didn't need it. So I don't know why we need it again. Yeah, it, 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 it's one of those instances where you got a bigger budget mm -hmm. and so you had to use it, but it didn't necessarily benefit the movie, except for maybe in a couple of spots, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I will say I will say, though, like just visually, you can tell they have a bigger budget this time. 
Oh, 100%. Because like anything that's shot outside in the last shift is, uh, it looks like it was post-processed up exposure a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, they obviously can't light an entire street. So they just mm-hmm. got to take what natural light they have out there. And like, you know, maybe if they had a couple 5Ks or 10Ks, they could, you know, light the area the actors were in. But otherwise, it's like, we have no lighting for this. <laughs> yeah. You know, so all the outside stuff doesn't look great in the last shift, but it looks fine inside because that's, you know, you can control that. Right. And it is a very claustrophobic setting. I mean, in mm-hmm. both movies. Right. But the, especially in Last Shift, much more of it happens in the corridors of this mo- of this station. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, um, in, in, in the second movie, there's a lot more happening in like, more open rooms yeah yeah they they have more space to work with and everything and mm-hmm. but like that's the thing is like it looks better because they have money for both better cameras and better production design mm-hmm. so like I feel, I feel like this film or malum i i gotta make sure i say which film but <laughs> i feel yeah, like yeah, Mal- yeah. i feel like malum does a better job at capturing kind of the uh almost silent hill aesthetic it does. It feels like the whole thing is just is is creepy. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like you're in this creepy. Um, yeah, it just builds the world a little bit more. Whereas mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing in Third Ship feels like a dream, like yeah. you're just in one big dream. Yeah, because like, I, I maybe I prefer. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's hard to tell which I would prefer. Like, I guess I would have to see like last shift occur in this setting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. move. Just do that movie exactly shot for shot, but put it in this uh i think it's a kentucky police station that was actually being decommissioned that yeah. they shot malum in yeah so, i can yeah. see that yeah yeah whereas like i think the last the last shift looks like it's kind of shot somewhere that's it's kind of sterile and is like maybe even in use as like office space i was gonna say it doesn't feel like necessarily a police station yeah. although i guess it is supposed to be about to be decommissioned but right. yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like a police station like the other one does yeah so but you know once officer lauren arrives and this is one of the scenes that both films share they're confronted by the sergeant that's on duty sergeant grip yeah grip cohen what yeah a name yeah <laughs> i don't know how you come up with that name but it kind of rules <laughs> yeah <laughs> grip cohen and mm. it's a good setup for like your first hints that something's mm-hmm. weird because you're introduced to grip just losing his grip uh. yeah <laughs> yeah he's real he's just he's just kicking a basketball around just being a just having a big old temper tantrum yeah he's throwing a temper tantrum he's screaming he's saying fuck you don't know who he's yelling at mm-hmm. uh, and then he comes out and like he sees officer lauren has been watching him and mm-hmm. like this is like the first time i got kind of let down by malum is the actor playing cohen and malum is so much worse than the one in the last shift it's interesting because i felt like that that was the case more than it wasn't for for a movie that has you know undoubtedly a much bigger budget most of the performances i mean not that there's a lot of characters but i like the performances of almost everyone more in last shift yeah yeah i don't know what that is yeah, definitely Jessica, the 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 main character. Um, I don't know if you agree with this, but in the first movie, I'm not saying it was perfect, but you know, I think she did a pretty 
pretty nice job in the first movie mm-hmm. but in malum i i thought the performance was so flat by the by the the the, the actress who played jessica yeah i thought i thought especially I thought, when shit hit the fan it's just like she was almost not even responding yeah at times yeah when shit hits the fan it gets a little weird and i think that's also mm-hmm. kind of the nice thing of or it's kind of the thing about the last shift. Jessica isn't necessarily responding to everything that happens in the last shift. Cause there's a lot of things that happen behind her or in her periphery that she wouldn't see. It's just there to scare yeah. us as an audience mm-hmm. because we see like a hanged body fall behind her. She doesn't see it. Yeah. So she doesn't right. have to react to it. We just react to, Oh no, she's in danger. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot more happens to the Jessica of Malum. And she has to react to it. And maybe there isn't always something there for her to react to either. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, I think that speaks to the larger issue with these two movies um, or or with really with Malum is in Last Shift, there is a lot of like it's almost a mystery. You know, there's Mm -hmm. there's a there's a bit of a whodunit type of uh, element to it. Um, You know, there's it's it's obviously supernatural horror and all this stuff. But there is a mystery being solved that Jessica is not entirely aware exists. Like she's not there to solve a mystery. You as the viewer are kind of piecing together a bit of what she already knows versus what's happening and how they connect. And things are undercover, you know, being uncovered as you go. Even, you know, the the one element of the, uh, you know, the 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 calls that are coming in, mm-hmm. like you think it's a victim and all this stuff. In Malum, there really is no mystery. Like, right. she's there to find out about her dad. She's shooting locks off of lockers in the first five minutes whereas in last shift like she's eating a sandwich kind of timidly by herself you know mm-hmm. so it's like the the jessica and malum is just there to fuck shit up she pretty much no she already has a lot of information coming in and then like even the mystery around the phone calls like it's it's just her being terrorized more than it is her and the audience coming to realizations together right yeah because the phone calls in malum are the actual cult members that are left over calling mm-hmm. the terrorizer and then she calls like the the police the the real police station the one that's up and running and they're mm-hmm. like well we can't do anything about that because they're all over the town so just yeah. lock up and be safe whereas mm-hmm. in last shift it's much more like you're saying it's a mystery because she's getting mm-hmm. calls when she shouldn't get calls and then she's trying to get the other station to like look into it and figure out what's going on because she yeah, has nothing like to look into it. Yeah, it's like a supernatural mystery. Mm-hmm. Whereas Malum is like a Attack of the Killer Cult movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's almost assault on Precinct Thirteen, but you never see outside the precinct. <laughs> yeah, rarely, right? Except for her drive into work, basically. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because there are uh, quite a few scenes that are absolutely shot for shot exactly the same like when she's introduced to 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 cohen you right. know and 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 a hand and quite a few other ones right but yeah um yeah and, and the the a lot of them try to be shot for shot or they're they're very close and then some of them just fall apart and mm-hmm. i think one of the ones that really falls apart but is also really great in la in last shift is when she first arrests 
the uh, the homeless man for peeing in the lobby, mm-hmm. or or in last shift's case, she do, she actually doesn't arrest them until he shows up in like an evidence room and is like yes, bopping yeah. around. They have like a fight on top and, of shelves, which is kind of funny. <laughs> they do. Well, and the same thing with Malum, um, because uh, he doesn't even come in the first time. And Malum, he mm-hmm. just pees and it leaks under the door, right? And then he and then he busts his ass in later. But yeah, she she eventually. Uh, um, arrest them in both instances and then she gets basically by a ghost <laughs> locked into like the holding cell area basically right and this in in the last shift it's so much better because she's in the holding cell with the homeless man and she only has a flashlight and like all the lights go out because it's spooky time it's time to get down mm-hmm. to some spookums yeah yeah and the sound design is fantastic in the last shift because mm-hmm. they make it uh, binaural and you can hear the homeless man in one ear and she's in the other ear and you can she like at one point drops her flashlight and you hear the flashlight roll between mm-hmm. the, uh, between the speakers. Mm-hmm. And then like you get this great reveal of the flashlight turns on and is shining in her face and she's like yelling to get the flashlight back. And then the flashlight pans over and shows that the homeless man is in the corner so it's a yeah. third somebody holding that flashlight and then yeah, she freaks the fuck out <laughs> right yeah it's really effective in the first scene or the first movie and the second movie maybe it's because you see it coming i don't know um but it it is not yeah it's just not not as effective yeah i mean in in malum like i there wasn't any of that sound design and also when the lights go out they don't fully go out in malum like you still see like outlines of jessica and everything mm. it's way more effective when it's pitch black in yeah you don't get that shift. exactly yeah 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 they, they they it's like they tried to do a lot of punching up that didn't really add mm-hmm. to to it even like the hooker scene you know where you meet like marigold or whatever the the hooker yeah um you know in the first movie and i think it's the same actress too isn't it's, a, it? it's the same actress because she's also uh de blasi's wife oh okay okay yeah. yeah in the first movie um you know she she's just kind of a hooker with a heart of gold kind of thing you know outside smoking a cig and she gives her a little bit of information but it doesn't feel like an exposition dump it's just like hey i'm an i'm a nosy and you know i'm here to you know um just give you some information in the second movie she's like a vigilante hooker like <laughs> yeah well, that didn't none of that needed to be there um and and she she's also seeing shit too um and then like was she part of the cult or was she possessed like i i don't know it's just like none of that had to be there yeah you know she she, she could just she could have just giving you a little bit of a little bit more of a hint to what's happening yeah it in in the last shift it works as is kind of a nice like tension breaker scene mm-hmm. but also it does reveal like a big important part that mm-hmm. the cult members weren't killed at the farm they hung mm-hmm. themselves in the holding cells right and in malum that would work better except we've already seen that officer lauren went on a rampage in the police station right so we know like a bunch of people have been killed there anyway what does it matter if the cult members were shot on the farm or hung there there's already something terrible that's happened at this location something already happened we know that much yeah yeah so so like it doesn't yeah it doesn't 
add or subtract anything to find that out. But in last shift, it adds because you go, oh, we didn't know this was a damn spook up haunted house. Mm-hmm. There's like spooks yeah, we didn't here. Know that. <laughs> there's ghosts here. Oh there's, shit! <laughs> there's full on spookums. The the uh, one thing I will give Malum is that it does have a demonic thumb drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, guys! Like there the 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 way that and it sounds um kind of cheap, but it's not. It's executed well in the first movie in in Last Shift. A lot of what Jessica's seeing um is kind of visions that are being like kind of thrust on her by the the haunted environment or the ghosts involved or whatever um so much so that there are instances especially near the end where it's almost like she's watching like a a projector on the wall like the ghosts it's almost like uh one of those and maybe it's a little tropey for for a, a a supernatural movie but this idea of like um you know, ghosts showing you what happened so you can rectify it in some capacity, or perhaps you could be a victim of it again if you're if they're naughty bad ghosts. But it, like in this instance, uh, when f- 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 Malum, it's like, nah, here's a thumb drive that has everything on it. Like you now watch it. You know what I mean? I just <laughs> click around ah. on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Because again, in the last shift. Like the they have interviews with the cult members playing mm-hmm. on TVs and like they just and the ghosts just turn the TVs on and Jessica's are like, oh, scared. But information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but information in this one, they're yeah. just like, here, watch this <laughs> here. Yeah, here you go. Here. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's just kind of speaks to this the, the same like overall issue is just like it. They just kind of the second time around try to overcomplicate things a little bit more than they needed to um yeah i don't know that just felt like something i kept thinking to myself as i was going through this um i i think also like the performances in the second one feel a lot more uh like cartoonish Mm -hmm. and and i'm not and not just uh jessica and her mom which now it's also like there's this whole backstory of like she's tied in and her dad's tied in and her mom was part of the cult. And like none of that stuff really is the case in the first movie. No. Like you could maybe um, hint at the fact that her father had some sort of like involvement or something like that. But otherwise, it just felt like a wrong place, wrong time type situation for her in this movie. They basically did the whole, you know, Halloween two where now jamie you know laurie is michael's sister you know they had to do this whole backstory of like oh jessica was uh you know baptized by the cult and she was destined for all this to happen and we just didn't really need any of that i don't think no i don't i don't think it adds like it doesn't add Mm -hmm. like i they probably put it in as a justification for her like being chosen by malum but I don't know that you need that to get chosen by the demon. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. 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 It could just be it's... that because she's the daughter of the cop who took them down in the first place. Yeah. Now that's their revenge. Because, I mean, you even yep. get you even get kind of a scene between the cult leader and Officer Lauren, uh, Jessica's father. You get a scene between mm-hmm. them in the interview room where 
Like he's basically like, okay, well now I'm going to take everything from you. Yeah. And that's all you need. You don't need, you don't need the anointing or anything. You just have the cult leader say, I'm going to take everything from you. And then that's the revenge. Yeah. It's a revenge. That's all. Yeah. And, and the, 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 what did you think about the, the cult itself and, and particularly, you know, so the main guy's John, right? So it's John in the first movie. It's, it's, well, in the second movie, it's John Malum. So mm-hmm. it's after him. in the first movie, it's John Michael something. It's John it's Michael different... Payman. So, Payman, it, so it's right. kind of like, it's also like another demon name. Cause there's the yeah. Payman demon that from hereditary people would remember. Right. So, um, he, in the first movie, it's it's very Mansony, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially uh, it's almost like a Mansony with a little touch of Rob Zombie. You know what bit. I mean? Like it's really they're real greasy, real grimy. Yeah. <laughs> um, where in the second movie, it's he almost reminds me a little bit of a cross between Manson, but like a little bit like the cult leader from Mandy. Like he's a little bit more like well-kempt and, and, mm-hmm. and he's a little bit more... Uh, like vapid or something like that like he's got like kind of fancy clothes on right. not like fancy but he's got you know he's a little more stylish yeah um but the whole the whole thing between them the mom they all felt way more like cartoonish in the second one which if you saw in the first one you'd be like oh they're like a bunch of like greasy haired you know like uh you know mountain hippies or whatever mm-hmm. that seems more cartoonish but it's actually the inverse like the performances really make it feel the opposite yeah they definitely feel more crust and gutter punk cult in the first one whereas this one Mm -hmm. feels like hipster cult because they're you know they're nice and well dressed they have their song and like he Mm -hmm. has like his big furry collar that he's it's just like eh. (laughs) (laughs) um let let me ask you this 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 bothered me and i might have missed it here Uh, well two there were like three things that really stuck out with me um, so the, the first one was the, and this is, this is more just like, I don't know if it felt lazy or I was like, why did this need to be the case? But the whole idea of tying in Jessica as having been baptized by John when she was a kid and John, you know, and, 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 um, her name's Diane, who's, uh, jessica's mother had a relationship with john as she was in the cult and all this stuff so then you're like okay so now time has to have passed right Mm -hmm. why but then john is of course the same age so i'm like what happened with the time frame here but then the mom just explains it away by going john found us after all these and he hadn't aged a day yeah did you care? It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I understand that you had to explain that away and you're trying to suggest that there's some something supernatural going on with him that he's not aging. But like, I don't know. It just felt kind of scotch taped together a little bit. A little bit. Because um, like, like in that flashback, the the woman who's playing Jessica's mother is a younger actress. So they have mm-hmm. so they have a young version of her mom. And then there's her mom, who's like an older lady. But then mm. the guy who plays Jessica's dad, it does not feel as old as he should be, because I think he's basically the same actor all the way through. But also, he doesn't mm-hmm. feel old enough to be that old. No, he looks like actor old. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Where like he is probably well into his fifties, but he's an actor and he like dyes his hair and whitens his teeth <laughs> and does gets Botox and all that stuff. Um, the the other thing that bothered me about about this when the mom came because the doors were chained up. Remember they locked her in. Yeah. But then when the mom comes, the chains are on the ground. Yeah. And they actually not zoom in on them, but they actually like pan the camera to the chains on the ground. Well, yeah, they uh, they do and, a close up of it. Yeah. Yeah. But what it, what are we meant to think that the chain they removed the chains to let the mom in? I, that I I inferred originally that she let herself in and that like she was still part of the cult. Okay. That's but why I inferred, but that's not how it ended. So it just yeah, it's not how it. Yeah, <laughs> I, that that bothered me. And then the other thing was they they tried to explain it away earlier, uh, which I'm confused by why it had to come back later. Which whenever <laughs> Jessica in, in in Malum, like I said, she goes zero to sixty. Mm-hmm. She's shooting locks off shit. She's in there just having fucking crazy, uh, 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 you know, hallucinations five seconds into the fucking movie. Whereas you really build to that in Last Shift, and then she calls the cop, you know, the the chief or whatever, the sergeant. I don't know. Calls him at home and is like, "Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm seeing shit out here." Uh, he, she doesn't even really try to like, she just breaks down pretty quick and mm-hmm. she's like, I can't do this. This sucks. I'm seeing things. And she's like, uh, he's like, don't go. Uh, oh, did you go in the holding cells? And he's like, yeah. And of course we know like the holding cells, like where they killed themselves. That's like a very, you know, apparently the most haunted place. And he's like, don't go back in there is black mold everywhere. <laughs> and then so like, okay, whatever you explain that away. But then later on, they go as far as to make like CGI black mold on the walls. Yeah. And the black mold is maybe symbolic of the haunting. And I don't know. It just never comes together. I think. And I was, when I was reading interviews about like why they made Malum one in one of the interviews, they're mentioning, uh, the Blasi mentioned like there was black mold in that police station. And I feel like maybe it was just like a quick inspirational thing that they're like, oh, we should incorporate that because black mold makes you crazy. You know, it wasn't maybe not a thing that like they thought through and it's just a thing they saw on set and were like, oh, wait, what if? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just it just never it just feels out of place like it never circles back around. Like if it was there to cast doubt, like it would have made more sense in the first movie Mm -hmm. because then you're like is Jessica crazy? Is she not actually seeing this stuff? You don't know. And then ultimately that's what you come to kind of question is ultimately Jessica was a, you know, we're drawing it towards the end here and we're, we're obviously spoiling this, but ultimately Jessica was kind of a unreliable narrator question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, or she was overcome by the, 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 you know, the ghost or whatever. And she ultimately ended up, you know, basically, uh, um, you know, killing, innocent people right Uh, Right. thinking she was doing something right um so that it would have made sense in that context but that really never happens with in malum like that that scene carries out where she's chasing the cult people through the and just blasting them yeah she's doing that whole scene (laughs) but they are the actual cult people yeah yeah, that's the other thing is that got that gets so muddy 
towards the mm-hmm. end where they decide to have the actual cult break into the police station and they have the three victims who didn't die from the original uh from the the original crimes on the farm they have those mm-hmm. three victims and they're going to kill them as sacrifice in the police station now on the anniversary mm-hmm. but it, it it gets so muddy and confused because you've seen so many unreliable things at this point that yeah. it's hard to know like who's real and who isn't and you have jessica blasting and you have these women were supposed to feel something for but they're just dying on camera and it doesn't totally matter yeah like the one that gets her like throat cut when she's like laying in the hallway uh-huh. and like why like that was pretty unceremonious and then you know and then the you know they're they're trying to mimic i think some of the because the first movie had some really great um surprising i mean yes they were jump scares but they were more like 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 you didn't expect what was going to happen kind of thing mm-hmm. like when the when the little like when the the, the the meet cute happens between her and like the the flirty cop oh that's such a perfect first, scene in the first one it's yeah. so great and when he turns around and it's fucking six sense shit and his head's blown apart in the back yeah you did not see it come no it's uh, like I, yeah I, I wanted to focus on this scene a little bit because it's so perfect yeah. in the last shift yeah and it's so wrong in malum it's horrible yeah. in Malum. You got the fucking Keystone cops, first of all, <laughs> making jokes and shit, like cartoonish as hell. Yeah, but yeah go ahead. That, that, that was a great, that was one of a, a handful of really great scenes in the first movie. Yeah, so it, I think it's about midway through last shift. Uh, but, you know, Jessica mm-hmm. has been seeing things. She's been, you know, getting these scary calls. And then just another cop shows up. And I believe it's Officer Price. And they have like a little meet cute. It's, it's a real disarming tension solving scene because like mm-hmm. they're just having a little flirt they're having a talk it's nice you know mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong nothing spooky's happening and then yeah. at the end of the scene he just turns around to walk out and leave and the back of his head is blown off and it's like yeah what the fuck <laughs> And yeah. Then, and then he just he just gingerly and it's not like a now I'm going to scare scream at the camera or my head's going to shake or something. He just turns around and gingerly walks out and it just walks out and you see him walk past the window as he's exiting. And she's like, what the fuck? And she try like she's so stunned. It takes a minute for her to like go after him. And by that point, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. He just disappears around a corner and it's like, fuck ghosts, <laughs> bad ghosts goddamn in malum flirty ghost it's it's handled so poorly because mm-hmm. one we get a scene in the beginning of the film the in in the uh you know in the massacre scene we already see this mm-hmm. officer officer price yeah we already see him so now kind of tension is already heightened when he shows up again because yes. we know he was at the scene of the massacre and we know he has history with her father. So already you're you're already on high alert as an audience member, perhaps more so than Jessica. Yep. Uh, then it's just just the way the scene plays out, like the because it's two cops in this case. It's Officer Price and then Officer Fat Cop. I don't know. Yeah, like just officer punching bag is all this guy character yeah, was. Yeah, he's just being real mean to him. Like it's 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 like he doesn't really add anything at all. No, just off. I think they thought they were gonna 
they were going to disarm things with humor maybe i don't know but it didn't work at all it didn't work because it was mean like mm-hmm. they're just he's just being like straight up mean to him so it's not disarming yeah. it's just like oh here's a fucking bully cop who was at the scene of a massacre Ah, uh, wonder if i can trust this guy or not <laughs> yeah right you know but then like he takes her to a locker room and shows her the shotgun that you know her dad killed everybody with and then he ducks behind the shotgun or ducks behind a locker and then pops back out with fucking blasted apart face and it's just like yeah eh. yeah eh. it just it it was so much less effective uh than than the first one they just you know they went for broke on a lot of these you know with and the first movie the practical effects were really well done and very used very kind of judiciously mm-hmm. um and then when they went full bore they were really great this movie they really threw a lot at the wall with the practical effects like the face thing there which you know obviously was a lot more difficult mm-hmm. to do than the one in the first movie um you know, th- there's two scenes in this movie, practical effects wise, and I'm like, why did you go that hard? It doesn't make any sense. One is when the, you know, woman um, who, you know, in the first movie, the 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 one woman who's like kind of crawling on the ground, like kind of chasing her, you know, you get a look at her face and, you know, she's got the blood and the thing over her head or whatever. In the second movie she's got like her face it's the girl who got her face smashed with the baseball bat mm-hmm. but it looks more like the fucking monster from stranger things or something yeah. like it, it's it just really is bad looking um it looks like oh, the monster from stranger things if it existed in the beetlejuice universe <laughs> like it just it looks bad um it takes you out of it and then the second part where i was just like why why do this was when there is another uh character uh i think she was one of the victims oh that she i know that gets hung yeah yeah she was one of the victims yeah yeah and jessica runs in and tries to save her but then the rope is tightening around her neck and then she's got her hand between there and it like pops her fingers off but then it like squeezes her head until her eyeballs pop out and then her head ex- like literally pops off yeah and it just was so over the top cartoonish and it just felt like it was from another like a totally different movie <laughs> i mean at the, at that point i don't feel like it it felt like it from another different movie because everything else was so cartoonish and silly i guess so it's just for eyeballs to pop out and a head to pop yeah. off just feels like it's just another step further <laughs> than it needed to go i mean it was it was definitely the most extreme thing that had happened to that point which is yeah, why I mean, it was so unsettling <laughs> yeah from there everything else you know it does go to shit like pretty soon thereafter you get you know people you know cops as dogs with intestine lesions and shit yeah. you know so you get that going here in a second yeah but. i mean it really goes fucking batty goofiness and like yeah it does i don't dislike that i, I no i actually that's my favorite part of this movie was the last i mean i'm not saying it delivered 100 percent, but like the last 20 minutes were probably my favorite yeah it's just it just like once they take the governor off it's like ah, okay we it's like it's like the brake breaks on the minecart ride and so the minecart is just out of control now it's like yay <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah uh just to jump 
back to the last shift quickly about uh, the judicious use of practical effects. When Officer Price is reintroduced at the at the end mm-hmm. of the last shift, and he just puts his yep. fingers in his mouth like a gun, and then mm-hmm. blows his brains out again, like that was re- uh, again that's really effective, and there's not a lot going on. <laughs> You didn't see it coming either. Yeah. You didn't see it coming. And then there's the scene, and I forget who it is, but like the the corpse that's being dragged, you know, almost a la Nightmare on Elm Street style. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- through the hall. And then it's like, it looks like uh, the corpse is being picked up and then like made to walk. But it looks like somebody is, somebody who's doing it is invisible almost. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it's a really cool, effective scene. And done on, yeah, small budget from a distance so it's not like you're seeing that much but it just was really effective and i don't know i just don't think there was anything in the second movie that was that effective yeah like until the crazy ass demon shows up which is kind of cool <laughs> yeah then the demon shows up and it's like what the fuck is this <laughs> like they yeah they really went for broke for that uh yeah you know again like like we said at the top of the episode like there's somewhere in between there's a perfect film and mm-hmm. like where the last shift doesn't have a demon and this movie has all demon with a weird, funny, floaty face with mm-hmm. like an effect floaty face. It's like if spawn was a Cenobite. Yeah. Like that's what it looks like. Yeah. Like this. And then it shoots its pentagram floaty face and it like <laughs> it's bonkers. And, and like that effect feels like it's from 2006. It's weird. But somewhere, <laughs> but somewhere in the middle. There's a film that has the demon that just exists only in the shadows and you only see glimpses of it. And then like mm-hmm. it hangs over John Michael Malum, you know, like you see it behind him, but you never fully see it. It doesn't come up and kiss Jessica in a weird way. <laughs> well, that was the best time you saw the demon is when you saw it behind him, mm-hmm. you know, behind him in the win- window. And you're like, oh, fucking what was that? Right. You know, but then when you get a close up on its face for 10 hours. It's like that uh, it loses its luster yeah. a little bit. And I mean, it, it's literally a Power Rangers villain. It's, it's, oh, yeah, yeah it totally is. It, it just it, it's like a really gory Power Rangers villain. Like I said, it just looks like if Spawn was a Cenobite. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, you have so to expect Psycho Goreman to come up and kick its ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's yeah, that is even better analogy. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like it's from that movie. But yeah, all the I mean, the ending is is a little bit confusing in in the in both. But in the first movie, it feels intentionally vague and left a little open ended. Mm-hmm. Both movies end on a on a down note. Um, but in the first movie, like I said, it seems like sparse, but intentionally so. In the second movie, it just like really explains things almost too much where it's like, you're really hearing everything that John is saying. It's like, as something happens, then they snap back to John saying, here's the thing I said was going to happen. It's happening, <laughs> you know? And then, uh, yeah. And then, um, I don't know. It also spends a lot of time with John, like talking in the interrogation room, which I did. Cause I guess I didn't find that performance that intriguing. No, he's yeah. That actor, was not where every other actor is cartoonish. Like mm-hmm. the grip Cohen in the Malum is just so over the top cartoon fucking. Yeah. Almost Arlie Ermy like. 
<laughs> yeah. The guy playing John Michael Malum in Malum is just like flat. And it's just yep. like, uh, <laughs> you're the bad guy. Be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know how much you want to talk about the end or if there's any other, um, any other, uh, you know, kind of different elements that you wanted to talk about. The whole, like, toy, there's just, they tried to do too much. You know, the toy thing yeah. that her dad made, that didn't really land, nor did we really care. That It, it, it just really felt like a non issue you know what i mean yeah like it didn't draw tug at the heartstrings didn't do anything it's just like oh i get it you, you mentioned that toy a little bit in one sentence earlier and now it's here yeah i don't know yeah it did yeah it doesn't land it's it's just overbloated i did have mm -hmm. one note in here about a line that bothered me from malum mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's uh, i i even forget who it's between it's between jessica and I believe Officer Price, uh, but it's, uh, the line is, that's what cops do. We hurt people. <laughs> it's, it, what that was, was I'm trying to remember that was her seeing an image of her father, I think. Oh, OK. It was her dad. And her father's like, we hurt people. And if we need to, we kill people. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, I think it was her, it was just a, you know, ghost image of her dad saying things that was distressing, I guess. Right. I don't know. But I mean, I had <laughs> I had that written down and then I have next to it in parentheses message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's so heavy handed and everything it does. Yeah. I mean, especially when it's like, OK, so Jessica shoots herself, whatever. He saw that coming get the whole the demon whispers in her ear tells her to shoot herself um you know you you do that and then you get john you know talking for a long time again he loses his it loses its edge when you're just hearing him do these like monologues and then the last frame is jessica at the the queen throne at the right hand of john demon john whatever and then she just wakes up screaming and it's just like the first movie, you feel like you're spiraling towards like a, a, like something you don't quite grasp until the last couple of scenes like this one. It's like the the last couple of shots were like, we get it. She's she's beyond like she isn't coming back from this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like she's she, we saw her shoot herself for God's right. sakes. Like we don't really care what ha we don't really care what happens after. Yeah. This. Yeah. That, that was exactly my feeling as well. It is just like at some point it becomes like. There's no coming back from this and, you know, there's no more mystery either. That's the other, mm -hmm. like the last shift has mystery almost up to the end, you know, mm -hmm. of like, oh, you're unraveling things. Everything's unraveled at this point and she's gone to the point where it, uh, she's just shooting people in the hall and it's just like, mm -hmm. okay, well, <laughs> there's a rampage, there's a demon, eh, whatevs. <laughs> Yeah. Once demons show up, you're like, what the fuck? Who, yeah. who cares? Um, I do really appreciate that Amazon Prime tried to play frogs right after this. Sick. Like right after it was over, it was like, all right, ready to watch frogs. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hell yeah. Um, so do you want to hear my 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 fan theory about this? movie? Sure. All right. So. You know, the 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 Malum, the, the titular Malum mm -hmm. is uh, his name's John, right? 
Jessica's mom's name is Diane. Okay. Jack is sometimes oh, short for John. <laughs> what I'm telling you, Steve, is this is a little ditty but who, about Jack and Diane. But who is the chili dog? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. There is not enough sucking on chili dogs. That's all I have to say. I guess about that's this. why all um, the pigs. Pigs make chili dogs. Oh, pigs is chili dogs. Mm-hmm. Pigs make chili dogs. That's a, that's what I always say. Pigs is chili dogs. Yeah. Um, overall, I mean, I much prefer Last Shift. Uh, I, if uh, if I, I could see myself watching that movie again, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a little bit of like, you know, mysteries revealed. So it's like it wouldn't be obviously through the same lens. It would be more towards a like, hey, what did I miss kind of thing on the first one? Um, Malum, yeah, ain't, uh, unless, unless, you know, we did an episode about like big nasty demons, you know, <laughs> um, I don't envision watching this, that movie ever again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Last shift works really well because it doesn't have a cold open. It just starts you off in the film and it's a constant ramp up. Mm-hmm. Like it just it just goes up all the way to the end. Malum mm-hmm. starts you off with a bunch of crazy shit with the cold open. And you're like, okay. And then you kind of calm down, but then mm-hmm. just, it just constantly, it's constantly throwing things at you and like not, it's not paced nearly as well. Yeah, and because we've mentioned so many, like we've mentioned so many things that wind up not mattering in the end, it's hard to pay attention to what does matter. That's a good point. It, it yeah. all gets mixed together and it just feels like, ah, bah. and then by yeah. that time you're like, eh, demons, gunplay, eh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, bloated. Bloated is the best way I think you described mm-hmm. this, uh, this, the second movie. But you know what? It did ultimately make me uh, appreciate the, the first movie a little bit more. So, yeah. But the second movie does look nice and it does have big demon guy. So, I mean, it has its pluses. I'll just, yeah, I'm not mad. Uh, I watched no. it. It's not like I disliked it. It's just I liked the first movie a lot more. Yeah, I think. my suggestion is absolutely watch Malum first, but then go back to the last shift. I feel like I feel like it kind of jaded me watching the last shift first. Yeah, you're probably right, but I it it made me like the last shift more. So mm-hmm. I almost wonder how I feel because it's it's just more, um, uh, just a more scant movie. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it would detract from after you saw all this craziness in the fur in, in Malum, you might be expecting that and then be let down by no big demons or something. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'd be interested if I could go back in time and watch Malum first, I'd be interested to see how I feel about it in, in comparison. But yeah, it's uh, they are for, for being essentially the same movie and the same director they feel wildly different mm-hmm. they don't even feel like the same director no <laughs> not really <laughs> um but anyway guys uh that is last shift slash malum uh anthony de Blasi, uh double feature here guys definitely worth uh checking out both of those flicks um streaming on the intranets uh yeah next week uh we'll give you a little bit of additional info about that august showdown once again we're going to talk about um bad uh i'm sorry good scenes and otherwise bad movies which i'm really looking forward to and we're going to tell you about our guest host for august 
We're going to talk about what movies we're going to talk about. We're going to do a bunch of good old spooky shit next episode, as we always do on this here podcast. And once again, go follow us on those social medias. And if you feel so inclined to throw us a five star or four star, whatever the maximum number of stars is, a little review, write a little thing on the podcatcher of your choice. Um, shoot us a DM and say, hey, I reviewed you on there. And I'll send you some damn old Halloween's Forever stickers in the mail. Perfect for the upcoming spooky season. Uh, you can do crimes with them. Put them on, uh, you know, people's windshields. You can put them uh, on cop cars. Eaton, yeah, cop cars. Go over to Eaton Park. Slap them on the mirror in the bathroom. Do whatever you got to do. Uh, just do crimes with them. All right. Anything else, Steve, that we're forgetting? Nah, man. That's it. I'm going to go check out Extremity or maybe Trick with Tom Atkins. Uh, yes, I do both because I would be surprised if they are as close in my mind as they are yeah. <laughs> like in my brain i'm thinking about them as essentially the same movie although i think extremity yes yeah, the extreme hot one and then trick i believe mostly happens like at halloween mm. and it's like a serial killer around halloween but i think they have like similar kind of mask features but okay well, I'll, I'll i'll go double check brian's work and see what's <laughs> up <laughs> let me know let me know how you feel about this all right for the halloween's forever crew i'm brian I'm Steve. All right. See you next time, you spooky bitches. Bye. Bye.